Thank you for joining our Transform 365 podcast, a discipleship and teaching ministry of SWCC. We pray this teaching helps you to grow in your journey with Christ. We have some great resources available for you on Transform365.com webpage. Feel free to download discipleship materials, small group teaching, as well as peruse our training workshops. Also take time to visit www.swcc.org for videos, teaching, and more. We thank you for listening and your support, and we would love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now for our podcast teaching. We do things for relationship and not religion. And that is the major difference in what we have in Jesus Christ and what the Jewish people were seeking in their faith and relationship with Yahweh. That's why Jesus came when He did, was to create a better way, a cleaner way, a purer way, a way to Him, a way to God through relationship rather than religion. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Matthew chapter 6 as we continue on in our series in verses 16 to 18. Verses 16 to 18. Jesus says this, When you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. And as we've talked about in that aspect, when Jesus says they have their reward, they're doing it because they want to be noticed, and their reward is what? Being noticed. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus says, hey, look, when when you go to fast, I want you to do it differently because you're not seeking a reward of men. You're not seeking a pat on the back where people say, look at this guy, he's holy. Look at this guy, he's got religion. He's saying, I want you to do it for the relationship that you have with with God. I want you to do it because you want something bigger and greater than the pat on the back. I want you to make sure that you're nice and you're clean shaven and that that you smell of perfume and that you're washed and that you're wearing your, your finest and best clothes. I want you to look as if you're not fasting. You see, we hear a lot about prayer, don't we? I I did uh, a couple years ago, I did a whole series on prayer. In fact, I'm building a part two of that series just on prayer because there's, there's power in prayer. And I think that the people of God need to be on their knees more if we want to see great things done in the sake of the kingdom of God. Amen? But one of the untapped resources and tools that the people of God don't do today is fasting. Why? Well, I think we have to ask ourselves the question, why should we fast? What is the purpose of fasting? And the best answer can be given by Jesus. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 14 to 15 
to start. Matthew chapter 9, 14 to 15. Jesus says this, The disciples of John came up to him asking, Why do we and the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. Okay, so real quick, I want to get something going here. A disciple doesn't always necessarily mean that you're a disciple of Jesus. Because we see it here, there's disciples of the Pharisees and disciples of John. And so John's disciples... Those following John, learning from John, remember, disciple just means learner or follower, they come up to Jesus' disciples. So we have three sets of disciples being talked about here. And they come up to Jesus' disciples and they say, hey, what's going on here? We've never seen you guys fasting. Why don't you guys fast? We've noticed that the Pharisees' disciples fast. The followers of the Pharisees fast. We fast. You who are followers of Jesus, you guys don't fast. Jesus answered them. The attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them. Can they? We're going to stop there. In verse 14, John's disciples come up to Jesus and the twelve. They're gloomy. They're sad. Why? Because their rabbi has been arrested. John the Baptist has been arrested. He's in prison. And as we know, he's going to be beheaded later on by Herod. This is the man that had seen Jesus and says, Hey, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The one that will be victorious is this guy right here. But now, the man that had said all those things is in prison. And so they don't know because their world is coming crashing down. What is going on? Are are, are we really following the right thing? Have we been listening? I mean... You know, Jesus, why isn't he saving John? I mean, they're related anyways, and he's the herald, so why isn't this taking place in our minds the way that it should be taking place? Tradition told them that if you're, if you're mourning, then you should be fasting. If you're, if you're sad, then go into a state of fasting. If you're repenting, go into a state of fasting. And the way you did that is you would you would rub ash on your body and it would make you look discolored and gray. But people would also notice that you're in fasting. And you'd put on sackcloth. You'd take off your your nice, fine, soft garments and you'd put on rough, tough, hard garments. It was like it was made out of potato sack. I mean, it was stuff no one wanted to wear. And so... They come to them and they're, and they're doing that. They're in this abrasive garments. They're, they're, they're covered with the ash. They haven't eaten. Why? Because they feel bad and they're trying to figure things out. And His disciples are now in their fasting and they're glooming and they're thinking over and over about the situation. We've lost John. We don't know about you, Jesus. What's going on? And they come up to Jesus and they say, Can you explain this all to us? 
Why do we fast as John's disciples? Why do the Pharisees and their disciples fast? But Jesus and you, your disciples, you don't. Jesus tells them in verse 15, these men are in a time of celebration. They're celebrating the bridegroom of God. Brothers and sisters, he's saying we are in a time of celebration because salvation is in their presence. Amen? Because the kingdom of God was with them. And there's no reason for gloom. You see, the Pharisees and John's disciples, they looked at things through gloom. And Jesus is saying there is no time for gloom when Jesus is in your life. Amen? They're celebrating the marriage that was going to happen in the future that, that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 5, the marriage between the bridegroom and his bride, the church. A marriage the disciples didn't even realize at the time, but Jesus makes us fully known to it because He calls us into it in a relationship with Him. You see, the disciples were celebrating Jesus, the Son of God, being with them. As, as we are going to be celebrating very soon with Christmas, we have the decorations. And I, I thank you, Floor, and I thank you, Mercedes, for doing those beautiful decorations. But we do that. Why? Because we celebrate God with us. Amen? Emmanuel. Unto us a child is given. Unto us, right? That's what we celebrate. And He has never left us. And that's what Jesus was telling John's disciples. I am with them. There is no time to be gloomy. But you look at the second part of that verse, verse 15. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. Jesus says, okay, yeah, there's, there's going to be a time. There's going to be a time when they will be called to fasting. There will be a time of reflection that will come. The time will come when they're not going to eat because they can only think of the past. The time will come, as John had said, the, the time for repentance will come. But John 6.18 says they'll fast Unseen. Undetected. Not in sackcloth. Not in ashes. Not to look and be seen by men. But they're doing it to get results from the unseen Father. You see what's taking place is Jesus is saying, hey look, if you truly want results in your relationship, don't revert to religion. If you want results in your relationship with God, if you want the unseen results of the unseen God, you go to the things that aren't going to be seen. You don't go around to people, oh man, oh, ooh, what's wrong? I'm fasting today. It's 8 o'clock a.m. How long have you been fasting for? Ooh, well, I had a little coffee this morning with a little donut, but I decided after that I won't be fa I'll be fasting the rest of this day. 
Jesus is saying, okay, you just got what you were looking for if what you were looking for was to look holy and religious. You see, in Christ, it's all about the relationship that we're building. It's all about that paradise that was lost in the garden when sin entered and death entered and relationship was fractured. Jesus says, I want to bring you into relationship with God the Father. And to do that, everything hinges on relationship from here on out. Not a religion that's going to separate. The old fasting system was a reflection thing on your mistakes and in your sins and on what you messed up on and failures and ruts and your current situation that you were in. But Jesus doesn't want you to focus on your current situation. Do you realize that? Jesus says, I want you to focus on the things above, seated at the right hand of God, is what Colossians tells us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he tells us, hey, guess what? I want you to focus on the kingdom and all the things that you worry about in this life. They'll start to fall into play. That's relationship. That's the power of relationship with Jesus Christ that we have, brothers and sisters. And aren't we glad we have relationship? You see, in the old system, it was about thinking and reflecting and getting an audience about all the bad that was taking place. Look how bad I'm doing, God. God, look, I've put on this sack because I'm doing bad. I need you to recognize that. God, I'm not eating because I'm doing bad and I want you to see that. I mean, think of Job. Job, he sat on a pile of burning ash in sackcloth, rubbing pot shards on his arms because it was, it was so hurtful with the open boils. I mean, think of the pain that he was in. And it was because he wanted God to recognize his pain. That was an old system. It was a way of getting an audience. It was associated a lot of times with mourning. Thinking about a loss. But Jesus says, my disciples here are in celebration mode because God is with them. Jesus goes on to explain in verses 16 and 17 of Matthew chapter 9. He says, but no one puts a patch on an unshrunk, unshrunk cloth. On an old garment. For the patch pulls away from the garment and a worse tear results. Nor do people put new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wineskins will burst. And the wine pours out and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into fresh wineskins and both are preserved. You ever done that? I remember I was in school and I had a favorite pair of pants. You know, your favorite jeans? Come on, you guys, anybody here has a favorite pair of jeans? Everybody's got a favorite pair of jeans. Everybody's got a favorite t-shirt. Everybody's got a favorite, right? I remember I had my favorite pair of jeans, and really, to be honest, it was my only pair of jeans. I just didn't realize that it was my only pair of jeans. So I remember that my jeans tore. And I go to mom and I say, Mom, my jeans tore. And my mom hated that look of having the lines and the hole and all that stuff on your jeans. So she's like, 
well, and I said, well, I need a new pair of jeans. She goes, well, not telling me that we couldn't afford new jeans. She said, go patch them, and then you get to keep your favorite pair of jeans. I said, man, that is a great idea. So I go into her sewing kit and I find one of those iron-on patches where, where, you know, it's that the patch of the fabric, but it's got like glue or something on the back of it. I put that inside of my jean and I go ahead and I iron it and the patch is all set and I snip off the little stuff and it looks pretty good. I mean, it's just got a little line, but it's, it's a solid jean once again. And I think this is taken care of, but I wash the jeans and you know what ended up happening. My jean looked like that. I ended up having, uh, you know, a high riser on this side, getting ready for the flood that was to come. And I got this knotted up weird thing in, in the other side, uh, and it, it just was the patch had shrunk. What ended up happening is I went to PE and obviously it tore on the top and then it tore on the bottom because of the shrinking that had just taken place. And that's what Jesus is talking about here when you try to fit an old system, old genes, with something new. Jesus is saying it's going to tear apart. You're trying to force my guys to fast in your old system, and it's going to tear apart because the kingdom is here in Jesus Christ's presence. Salvation is at hand in Jesus Christ's presence. You don't put a patch on an old pair of clothes with a new piece of material. You don't try to fit relationship in with religion. Because what we have with Jesus Christ is all about relationship. I'm here not to patch the Pharisee system, Jesus was saying. I'm here not to patch the old Jewish system that didn't work, where people would go to God, but it, they got kept at a distance because of what they were doing was all to be seen. Jesus is saying that's an old system that didn't work. It's not going to be fixed. It's broken. I'm coming here to fulfill the system. I'm coming here to change the system. I'm coming here to open up relationship with God the Father. You see, the old system is for what they did. The wrong, the sin, the shame. That's why they fasted. And his example here shows is new patches on old clothing. They just make the tear worse. Or the same thing with the wine. If you poured wine into an old sack, into that old leather, what would end up happening is as the, as the wine began to expand, as the yeast began to eat, and, and it just began to age, it ended up bursting because it would have expanded. But if you put it into new wineskins, it's got room to grow. You see, Jesus was already talking about you and I. And the growth that was going to come in relationship. But if you try to fit it into religion, your growth is limited. Jesus wants us to expand beyond in our understanding of Him, our understanding of Scripture, our understanding of what God calls us to as a family of God. Amen? The new is preparing for what He is going to do through you and through me. 
For the Pharisees and John's followers, fasting was a way of going through pain and recognizing your pain and asking God to see your pain. It was a time of penitence, a time of self-denial, a time of sorry for my sin. Everybody sees that I feel sorry for my sin. But Christ doesn't want old wineskins and He doesn't want a patch on old clothing. Jesus tells His disciples when and how it's appropriate to fast. For His disciples, fasting would bring a new life. Fasting would be having greater reflection, greater power, greater strength in Christ in the relationship. Fasting would be a faith builder. Fasting would be for you to grow in Christ. Fasting would be something not for gloomy and doomy and I feel bad, but for something great to happen in your relationship with God. To take things to another level. Turn to Matthew chapter 17 with me if you would, real quick. Matthew chapter 17. Looking at verses 14 to 21, it says this, When they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before Him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and very ill. Now, a lot of parents in here are saying, yeah, my kid's a lunatic too, yeah. Totally agree with that. He's a teenager right now and just totally raging with hormones. He's annoying, man. Just, Jesus, do something. He's a lunatic. Different type of lunatic, okay? I saw you guys nudging your kids. Come on, be nice. Naomi, no. (laughs) For he often falls into a fire and often into water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. Now really what was taking place is he was a demoniac. He was demon possessed. Verse 17, And Jesus answered him and said, You unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. He's saying to his disciples, how long am I going to have to do everything for you? How long am I going to have to hold your hand in all this? You should know by now, guys. Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. At once. When God does work, it happens at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus, and privately they said, why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible to you. It's all about your faith. But then he adds this, verse 21. But this kind does not go out except by prayer and by fasting. By prayer and by fasting. You see, fasting became a faith builder. A relationship structure. It became a foundation with your prayer life to build and grow. Rather than, I'm mourning, I'm upset, I'm not doing well. God recognize me. World recognize me. Fasting became something new in Jesus Christ. It's a faith builder. 
It, it, it requires us to go to Him in prayer and reflection still, but to grow our faith, to take the next steps, to say, Lord, I want something great. I need God to intervene in a huge way. I want You to open up a way. I want You to create, Lord. Use me. That's what fasting has become in Jesus. The apostles, whenever they would come and be faced with a big decision, like in Acts 13, verses 1-3, to what did they do? They were about to lay hands on somebody. They said, let's go to God in prayer and in fasting. So He decides for us, faith builder. When they had to appoint elders for the church, what did they do first? They went and they spent time in prayer or fasting. Acts 14, verse 23. That's one of the biggest challenges I tell to my board Today, I say, guys, before we lay hands on any elder, any future elder, let's go to the Lord first in prayer and fasting. Why? Because it's a faith builder, a relationship worker. It's not about a religious thing. It's not a symbol for people to see. It's not about mourning. It's about growing. You see, God wants us to grow our faith. And that's what our relationship with Him is. It's about growing in relationship and faith. It's about growing and understanding every day a little bit more what His grace is and what it means to us. Fasting is not a time of feeling sorry for sins. Yes, you can fast over sins and say, Lord, I don't have strength to conquer these demons in my life. I don't have strength to conquer the strongholds in my life. And you could go to Him and say, God, I want You to demolish this in my life because You can do that. That's what He was talking about here. But it's not about being gloomy and, and, and moping and having recognition from people around you of, hey, guess what? I'm really struggling. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, that's the Pharisee's way of doing things. That's a hypocrite's relationship. And I want you to have a meaningful relationship. I have something new for you, and it's the joy of fasting. The joy discovered in relationship. There was a story of two lumberjacks. One was quite older than the other, and the other was a young guy, young stud, young buck that had just began, and he was very proud of the fact that he could go into an area and just chop down a whole grove of forest quicker and better and better timing and bigger trees than anybody else. Well, the other guys, you know how we, you know, you sit around uh, at lunch and everybody kind of jokes around with each other and things like that. The other guys within the crew, they looked at him and they said, you'll never be able to out-chop the oldster, the old man. He's got old man muscle. He could take you. Well, the young guy, always looking for a challenge, he goes ahead and he says, I bet you I could out-chop this old man and by the end of the day. And he has to pay me his day wage. Well, the old man was sitting there, he's eating his lunch and he says all right how many trees he says i bet you i could outcut you by a third at least and if you outcut me by a third 
I'll pay you my wage, and if I cut, outcut you by a third, you have to pay me your wage. They shook on it, and it was a done deal. Well, the young man, he went crazy. He goes out there, and he's chopping, chopping, chopping. You're just seeing trees fall and fall and fall and fall. And the old man, he goes out there, and he chops. It takes his time. He sees where he's going. He chops, chops, chops. A tree falls. But man, the, the young guy is just really barreling through. Well, eventually the young guy, because they don't have that muscle memory like the older guys, he starts wearing out and he's getting a little gassy and he's, and he looks and the old man's sitting on a stump. He's like, oh man, old guy, this is time for me to, to totally, you know, just take it to him. And he jumps up and he starts hitting, you know, just whacking away, trying to make more trees fall. He starts gassing out again and he takes a swig of water. He looks over and the old man's sitting down again. And he's like, oh man, this is for my time to really just take them and, and overthrow them and overpower and just knock down more trees. And he starts chopping, chopping, chopping. And he's going crazy, chopping as many trees as he can. He starts gassing out even more and he looks over and the old man's sitting down again. And he goes, oh man, I, he asks for coffee. He gets some coffee. He drinks the coffee real quick and he starts chopping, chopping, chopping. Well, the end of the day, they put the logs side by side. The young man was amazed that the old man had not only caught up to him, but had met the quota of beating him by a third at the end of the day. The young man, he was fumed. He was just, I, I don't understand it. How in the world, I mean, did you know exactly where to pick where maybe softer trees were? What's going on? How did you cheat? Because this is ridiculous. There's no way. He goes, every time I looked over and I was just exhausted, he goes, I would look over and you're sitting down. And I would go just chopping, chopping, chopping away. The old man said, what you saw is sitting down and resting. I was sharpening my axe. Because you can't fall a tree with a dull axe. You are working twice as hard with bent, beat-up gear. Church, we are going out a lot of times with an arm-sharp axe in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Our faith is getting beat up in the world. Our faith is getting marred. It's getting nicks in it. It's getting beat up. And we need to go to the Lord in prayer and in fasting in order to sharpen our faith and our focus and our relationship with Him. In order for our relationship with Him to grow, in order for us to grow and have breakthrough in the cancers, in the deaths, in the sickness, in, in, in the temptations and in the sins, in the decisions in life, or just saying, Lord, I want a breakthrough in my relationship with You. And so I'm going to go in time of prayer and fasting. But a lot of times we're just swinging away with a bent axe with a dull axe when what we need in our life is to sharpen our focus in prayer and fasting. You can't overcome if you're just relying on yourself. And that's what fasting and prayer does in our relationship with Christ. It's all about sharpening the axe of the inner man. 
so we can gain spiritually. So we can have spiritual victory in our life. Fasting is for sharpening our spiritual focus by removing the distractions in life. Brothers and sisters, life is full of distractions, isn't it? Yes, you drive down the road, you see a million distractions. It's for building your faith and dependency on the Lord. Think about it. You're rejecting what comes natural. I'm hungry, I eat. You know, there's a joke that says that I eat for three people. Me, myself, and I. But that's the thing. A lot of times we react to hunger. But it's saying, you know what? I could go without that hunger because I have a spiritual hunger that can only be satisfied by my Father above. It's for sharpening by removing distractions. Brothers and sisters, are you sharpening that axe? Are you going out day in, day out? Dull. Have you been asking for a laser accuracy and focus? The strength from the Lord and His guidance and decisions in life? Are you looking to build your faith and your relationship with Jesus Christ? Then don't keep chopping away at trees at life with a dull axe. Sharpen your faith. Strengthen your relationship. Do you have an important decision coming up? Do you have a spiritual battle or stronghold that you're having issue conquering? Are you committed to growing in 2021 and failed horribly in 2020? Then fast and pray. Sharpen your relationship and sharpen your faith. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org, located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.